Hyatt's Dwyer, December 7th, 2022. Gamblersadvisory.com, a free site. Bettingangle.us, a free site. Remember, the opinion you should follow should be your own. Just consider this video to be a second opinion from a complete stranger online. Now, I'm going to break this video out into three parts. Right, first, let's take care of gamblers on the Terrence Crawford, David Avenesian fight. Right, I saw the odds. This is an updated video. It is Wednesday of fight week. Let's talk about that fight. Then I'm going to pivot. I'm going to finish an earlier video I did. I was making comments on Ryan Garcia when my setup here glitched. Uh, I want to finish those comments. It's very important. Then let's talk about an article in the Washington Post, right, um, on weightlifters. Let's start it off. You know, the odds, the posted odds, the odds right now on the Crawford Avenesian fight are preposterous. Right now, everyone watching this video knows that I consider Crawford to be the best in the sport pound for pound. Right? He's a great fighter. But what trumps that for me are the odds. Right? I've seen great fighters lose. I've seen Joe Fraser lose. Right? Mike Tyson lose. Lennox Lewis lose. Roy Jones lose. You show me a great fighter, and I'll show you a guy who's vulnerable. Right? Ray Robinson lost. You can go down the line. I understand the Floyd crowd, the Marciano crowd, the Joe Calzaghe crowd. Okay, congratulations. But let's just say those guys are outliers. And even with those guys, there's some fights that are awfully close aren't there, right? Marciano, the Roland Lestarza fight. The Castillo first fight involving Mayweather. The Calzaghe-Bernard Hopkins fight, I encourage you to watch that again, right? Hopkins gets the knockdown in the fight, right? Let's just say that fight's a close fight. Well, Crawford's unbeaten. Crawford is fighting at home. I'm one of those people who believes that sometimes fighting in your backyard might not be the best idea, especially when you're the main show in your backyard. This isn't like a fighter going back to New York City and you're thinking, well, Shannon Briggs is from New York City. Mike Tyson's from New York City. Riddick Bowe is from New York City. No, no. This is Terrence Crawford going back to Nebraska. And he is the top shelf there, right? It's him, uh, Tom Osborne, uh, Johnny Rogers, right? In other words, in boxing, Crawford is top shelf. That means I'm sure a lot of his friends are saying, hey, player, hook me up. Where are my seats, right? Family members are saying, hey, what am I doing in section B? Wasn't I there when you were a young boy? Shouldn't I be in Section A? Right? Friends of friends want tickets for their friends. Sometimes, too, a fighter overdoes it. On the road, he's just focused on winning. At home, he wants to win with style. This is professional prize fighting. You never have that big an edge on your competition. Right? Sometimes when you say, hey, let me showboat a little bit, 
that gets you clocked. Well, understand, however I rate Terrence Crawford, I just don't believe that if these guys fought 10 times, Crawford would win at least 9 of the 10. Right? What trumps a better's internal rating? How about the odds? Especially when your picks are closer as it is. I'm swinging for the fences here. I'm taking Avenesian, who will have the advantage deep in the pocket early in the fight. I'm taking Avenesian. I'm getting better than a plus 900 on him. In other words, bet $1, win 9 bucks, plus get my dollar back. Right? I like that greater than 9 to 1 line I'm getting on Avenesian. I'll hedge the play with Crawford by stoppage. Why? Because Crawford is one of the sport's dominant closers. Even fighters you think are doing well against Crawford, right? Sean Porter. You saw that fight, and in round eight, you thought, hey, you know, Porter's hanging in there. This is a close fight on my card. Of course, Porter did not go the distance. I'm guessing with Crawford at home, with Crawford making adjustments, with Avenesian being a master deep in the pocket, but a bit lost when he's not deep in the pocket, I'm expecting Crawford to make the adjustments and to win the fight. So, I like Avenesian plus 900, right? You're never getting a plus 900 when you bet on Crawford. I like Avenesian better than plus 900. I'll hedge the play with Crawford by stoppage. But I need for you to understand the risk involved. If Avenesian goes the distance, and let's remember, Benavides almost did against Crawford. If Avenesian goes the distance against Crawford, you lose it all if Crawford wins the decision in his backyard. Right? Ponder the risk. The risk is yours. You need to think about it carefully, especially when you're betting against Terrence Crawford. I just think boxing is too competitive for lines like this. Avenesian is the European champ. He is a knockout puncher. The first three rounds of this fight are going to feature Avenesian on his front foot, trying to get close to Terence Crawford. The burden's going to be on Crawford to discourage him. Crawford's going to have to show him something to get him off his front foot, away from the deep part of the pocket. That's going to be a challenge, folks. This is a competitive fight. Let's shift gears. In an earlier video, I was making a point about center of gravity. And I'm just telling you, it's a big issue. If a fighter can't change his center of gravity to fight low, that fighter is going to have a problem against the Marcianos, the Tysons, the Joe Frazers of the world. Right? You have guys who fight low. Look at the super fight, right? The fake fight they had between Ali and Rocky Marciano that was marketed. You see Ali in there and you see Marciano and Marciano was so low. You wonder, wow, is that how he really fought? 
Yes. And understand when a guy comes in that low, you need to have something to discourage him. You need to have something to pick him up. Right? Or the guy's going to be getting underneath you if you're a big fighter. Now, Ryan Garcia is tall. Right? He's fighting at, I guess, against Gravante Davis, it'll be 136. He wants to fight at 140. Right? He's fought in the past at 135. Just understand, he's going to be taller than many of his opponents. And I don't think Ryan Garcia has a mobile center of gravity. I don't think he can fight low. I don't think Garcia is the guy who can bend his knees, bend at the waist, Bob, get low. I don't think that's him. So the point I was making is he's going to have to either develop a completely blessed offensive game, which is what Alexis Arguello developed, right? Or he's going to have to find a way to learn defense to make guys pay for trying to fight low and get to his body, right? Vitaly Klitschko would block shots on his forearms. Vitaly Klitschko could hit you with power shots. So too, Alexis Arguello, right, could hit you with power shots as you try to come in low on him, right? It's a big issue. We just saw Derek Chisora get destroyed by Tyson Fury. Understand. Chisora, fighting low, was able to go the distance against Vitaly Klitschko. Right? If a low guy has figured out that because of the angles, you can't hurt him, and if a low guy has figured out that he could go rounds with you, then you're at risk of getting stopped in the later rounds or of losing a decision. Right? So let's pay close attention to the Ryan Garcia story. I'm taking Gervonta Davis over him, in part because... Davis is a southpaw. Davis is shorter. Davis hits awfully hard, right? Both guys hit hard. But Davis can fight low, right? Davis lines up well with Ryan Garcia's body. Davis can be aggressive. Davis is not going to stand outside and wait to get hit by Ryan Garcia's left hook. I'm expecting a firefight. I also don't like the weight. Right, Ryan Garcia announces he's fighting at 140 now suddenly. They're fighting at a catch weight. They can call it what they want. Right, the limit at lightweight is 135. Folks, the weight they've agreed to is 136. That sounds like Garcia's going to have to drain himself to make weight. I like Davis in that fight. We'll update the video when actual odds are posted, right? When actual odds are posted, the odds matter. Maybe the bet will change somewhat. Now let's talk about, let me add a fourth thing to this video, right? The best ref I've seen is Mills Lane, right? I just want people, especially young people who might not remember this, to look at the film of the second Mike Tyson-Evander Holyfield fight. 
right, you're going to notice that Tyson comes out of the corner in Mills Lane. Notices that Tyson doesn't have his mouthpiece in his mouth. That's how observant Mills Lane was. So Mills Lane orders Tyson at the time, big in boxing. He orders Tyson back to his corner to get the mouthpiece. So then we get to the middle of the round. I think it's the third round. And Tyson bites Holifield and takes off a part of Holifield's ear. Right now, just understand, a weak referee would have crumbled in that situation. Right? Holifield is upset. Understand that both of those guys, Tyson and Holifield, had been heavyweight champion in the past. Holifield's a big guy. Here's someone who just has maimed him. Mills Lane, and Tyson compounds it, by the way. Tyson pushes Holifield. Mills Lane calmly calls time, goes over, and talks to Holifield. Then he talks to the ring doctor, Flip Hamansky, who looks at Holifield's injury. Then Mills Lane, after being told by Evander that he wants the fight to continue, Right? And after hearing from the doctor that Evander was in that deep risk of serious injury, right? the cartilage is torn off his ear, but it's not like the ear is just hanging there. It's already been gone. Mills Lane lets the fight continue. So Mike Tyson then bites Holifield again. Folks, the fight ends on the second bite. Right? Let's just say we've seen bad refs blow big fights. The Liston-Ali rematch is refereed by Jersey Joe Walcott, who loses control of the fight. It's so bad that a guy from the crowd, the editor of Ring Magazine, had to tell Walcott that Liston was down more than 10 seconds. We've seen bad refereeing ruin a big fight. Understand that Tyson Holifield fight. Mills Lane handled it the way a strong referee would. Back in the day, it was reassuring when you had, you know, let's say aggressive fighters like Mike Tyson in the ring. It was very reassuring, whoever was fighting, to see Mills Lane in the ring. Right? You understood there would be some level-headedness. You understood Mills Lane was in charge. He wasn't going to be dictatorial. He was going to let the fighters fight. But you understood the situation had some kind of overview. Mills Lane recently died. Let's just say he's missed. As I've said here, uh, in a big fight, and I have my list of refs I love. Kenny Bayless, you're on that list. Right? But in a big fight, Harvey Dock, you're on that list. But in a big fight, if I had to pick one ref, it would be Mills Lane. Let's continue. Now, let's be honest about the era we live in. Right? I was watching um, The King of Tulsa the other day. 
And I saw Sylvester Stallone on the show, and he looks great. Right? He, you know, is walking around and stuff, and you're looking at him. Looks like he's been working out. You understand that he's been busted in the past for possession of performance-enhancing drugs. Yes, even actors are juicing from time to time. Right? But you see the benefits of it. This is the guy who was in Rocky in the mid-70s. And he's still acting in the show. He actually, um, you know, has a woman he fools around with. She's at least 30 years younger than him. They actually talk about his age. She's shocked to learn that he's in his mid-70s. You see how PEDs can actually help your quality of life later in life. Right? But understand, it's different when it comes to sports. Right? It's one thing to take human growth hormone because you want to lose weight, because you want to look younger than you are, uh, and you're an actor. Okay, fine. Right? In today's Washington Post, and I say this as someone who understands that in boxing, you've had superstars busted for clenbuterol, and they try to tell you that it's tainted meat. You have a guy all signed up to fight for the heavyweight championship in New York City. Right? Um, Jarrell Miller. And, of course, you find out he can't pass a drug test. You had a guy all signed up to fight in a second-generation rivalry, right? Uh, his father, Nigel Benn, fought Chris Eubank. Here you had Conor Benn about to fight Chris Eubank Jr., right? Big money. And we come to find out he was juicing. Well, in today's Washington Post, and you should read this article in conjunction with looking up the videos here from former bodybuilders talking about health risks on YouTube. Right? This Washington Post article talks about bodybuilders, female bodybuilders predominantly, talks about their coaches, right? The regiments that these coaches have these bodybuilders on. And let's just say these coaches haven't been closer to a med school than you or I, right? Many of these coaches don't have any medical degrees whatsoever, but yet they're prescribing things like clenbuterol, the diuretic, right? To drain water from your body so your muscles look that much more impressive at the contest. And of course, they are talking up individual steroids, right? Newfangled steroids, old-fangled steroids, and the bodybuilders. And they're, let's say, predominantly in their 30s and 40s, some in their 20s, end up having health problems. It costs some of them their lives. Right? They're at acute risk in the lead-up to these contests because they want to look as cut as possible. 
because they're taking diuretics so as big as their muscles look. Many of them are dehydrated. They're doing cardio sessions that are grueling to the point where, with all the added weight, they're ending up with heart problems. And I'm talking about heart problems in their 30s. Right? You have people around them who care for them. And so the athlete will reach out and the athlete will say, man, I don't feel well. Right? I, you know, I'm lightheaded. I'm dizzy. I'm having problems walking. And this is right before a big contest. And you'll have people say to them, hey, man, you need to go to a hospital right now. Right? Check yourself into the emergency room right now. Now, I need for people to understand there's a mental part to bodybuilding. So sometimes the bodybuilder will get great advice like that. Right, player? Go to the hospital right now. And the response will be, I can't. Because I've trained too hard for this. My weight is just right. I don't want them to give me fluid, even though the person's dying of dehydration. I don't want them to give me fluid because then that'll take away from the definition of my muscles at this tournament that I've been preparing for. Right? If it's not a heart attack, then I don't want to go to the hospital. Right, folks, I'm just telling you, it's a long article. I'm about two-thirds of the way through it. I had to stop reading it. It was too depressing. Because you and I understand, this is the one shot many of these athletes have, many of these bodybuilders have, to become famous. This... They view it as their one chance. And they are literally willing to risk their lives to have that opportunity. Now, it's terrible. It's terrible. I believe it's even worse in boxing. Because in boxing, there's a Chris Eubank on the other side of the ring. Right? You're, you're juicing. And your juicing isn't just endangering you. Your juicing is endangering your opponent. Right? This isn't like an actor taking HGH, thinking, hey, this is helping me look young. Right? No, no, no. This is different. Right? In boxing, your consumption of PEDs is literally endangering the life of the person across the ring from you. What makes the Washington Post piece even more jarring is they show you photos of the people they're talking about. Some of them are no longer with us. They show you texts from trainers to the athletes. And in the text, the trainer is describing a regiment Right? That includes drugs like clenbuterol, 
and you realize that this trainer doesn't have a medical degree. Right? In the Washington Post piece, they talk about finding the bodies. Right? These are people who die suddenly. You're taking a shower, and suddenly that's where your body is found. And, of course, in the room. Right? Things are so loose in the bodybuilding world that understand it's not hard to figure out what the athlete's been taking because when they find the body, often all the drugs are in the room. And folks, they're copious. A lot of drugs. Different drugs for different things. Right? So I hope people understand in 2022 especially in the world of bodybuilding. These athletes are literally pushing themselves to the brink, in some cases past the brink, and are losing their lives. Right? In the boxing world, I'm just telling you, when you find out that a guy is about to fight for the heavyweight championship, and he's been juicing, you need to view that like busting a person who's drunk and driving on a given night. You and I know that person was probably drunk and driving on several other nights, just didn't get busted then, right? So, you know, all I can say is Chris Eubank, who wanted his fight against Conor Ben to go forward, now realizes that Connor Ben apparently had failed a drug test earlier. Right outside of the drug test he failed right before his fight against Chris Eubank. You should recognize that the authorities in boxing, the British uh, Boxing Board, did not catch the illegal drug use. That was done by private testing. That was done by VADA. Right? So you need to be concerned, folks. There's a drug culture out there. You know, I feel boxing ultimately is fighting a losing fight. Because many of these boxers understand this game is their one way to a better life. And they're willing to take that chance. Anyway... I strongly recommend people pick up the Washington Post. Um, let's also be a little bit tougher in dealing with athletes in boxing who have failed clenbuterol tests. Understand, it's my belief that the cover story is made up before you're busted. Right? It's like having a teenage kid and the teenage kid comes in and you say, hey, you failed a test for clenbuterol. And the kid immediately says, must have been the tainted meat I got off the taco truck. Right? You understand, this kid had that excuse in his back pocket. So the minute he's busted, right? You know, the kid's thinking privately, up, oh, gigs up. Right? But of course, he has a card to play to not get punished. Fascinating read. That's how I see it. Let me hear from you to close up. 
Terrence Crawford, the best in the sport pound for pound, according to me. I'm taking his opponent because the odds are outrageous. I'll swing for the fences. I'll hedge the play with Crawford by stoppage. That's how I see that fight. Uh, also, I am looking at the undercard, right? So cold Steve Nelson, name you need to know, right? He's a little bit older. He's in his mid-30s. He's coming off a big injury. I believe it's his Achilles, right? It's, it's a leg injury of some kind. But understand, big-time power, former armed services champion, excellent left hook. Right, loves the game to the point where he makes his own costumes. You know, he's into the pageantry of the sports. So when he enters the sport, he has the music cued, he has his costumes going, and stuff like that. He's going to be on the undercard finding a guy named James Ballard, who only has three KOs. Let's just say I'm expecting So Cold. Again, his name is So Cold Steve Nelson. I'm expecting So Cold to get the stoppage. Keep an eye on him, right? Because his prior injury might actually be a blessing. There's not a lot of wear on this guy's tire, even though he's in his mid-30s. He used to be with top rank. I think this guy has elite-level talent. He's on the undercard of Crawford Avenesia. Thanks for stopping by.